Hey, welcome to the Catholic Center. 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 I was just recently hearing a, or it was one of uh, Bishop Robert Barron's like um, Sunday like ref reflections, and he talked about describing or defining Israel as people that wrestle with God, yeah. and I've never heard that definition before. That's the literal Hebrew translation wow. of Israel is one who wrestles with God, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think just through like them defining like pushing the limits of like everything around them i think that's a way of wrestling yeah that's pretty cool yeah say more about that what is that um wrestling with god uh i think that i always thought that like wrestling like that's that's not a good thing like that's a i thought it had a bad connotation but like having that curiosity and not just blindly accepting things but like the jewish people like wrestling trying to figure out for themselves ask questions um, like even when things don't make sense or they don't agree with, but continuing to like push, even when it's hard. Yeah. Hmm. Man, I have this cool uh, experience. I was in. I used to do a lot of study and prayer in the basement of the library, and so at my school. And so I was in the basement of the library, and there's like no windows. It's just all these books, really interesting. But I'm do and I, I would find that like that'd be the best place for me of like study and prayer and so forth. I kind of just get lost in everything. And I remember I ran into a dude there who I knew and I said, man, like I'm struggling with my own prayer. I'm start struggling with like my holy hour. I'm struggling with all this stuff. And he says, but like there's this, he's, he said that he uses the image of Jacob wrestling with the angel or Jacob wrestling with this divine angel in the book of Genesis, okay. uh, where Jacob is walking, and he all of a sudden encounters this divine person, this angel, angelic figure, and then wrestles with uh, this person, and then they wrestle throughout the night. They wrestle for an entire evening, an entire nighttime, and then uh, Jacob gets up, and basically walks off and he limps, but he walks off and like just that's the end of the story. Hmm. It's this really interesting, like weird thing. Um, but that's probably where Israel comes from is that uh, there's this history of this wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But I used that when I was in the library that moment. I said, man, like that's pretty good. It's like my prayer in and of itself is that it can be a wrestling with God. Uh, just like Jacob, a wrestling with the things of life and uh, perhaps even with God, um, the things about God, the things that I'm struggling with or uncomfortable with or having difficulty with or the things that I'm struggling with myself or about myself, so I can kind of wrestle with that in prayer. So I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always say that you have, you make great metaphors. And I think we could build off of the... I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I, we've... Metaphor is using, not using like or as. A simile is using like or as. Is that correct? Similes use like or as. Yeah. And metaphor is what? Just an image. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And I think building off of wrestling with God, we could say sometimes there's rounds where we get pinned and we're on our backs and we are at the bottom and it's hard. Man. Really hard. But that's a part of wrestling. Yeah. You can never not get pinned while you wrestle. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah. I'm, yeah. So the pin is what? Pin? The pin is like a uh, a challenging like defeat. Yes. It feels defeating. Yes. Right? Or when... Your life's not over, but you've kind of been pinned. You've been... You felt. You feel powerless. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, not in control. Um, thinking that things are going to go your way or like your prayers are going to be answered a certain way. But yeah, flipped on your back and kind of just... You're like, man, I don't know where to go. What do I do? Um, Man, you tap out? You could. <laughs> you could. Yeah. That's um, one of your options. Right. Yeah. What's your other option? Fight and keep on keep on pushing. Keep wrestling. Keep wrestling. Um, but then, isn't there a whistle called? Or like the referee? Sure. He does something to call it, but I don't know what that could be. Which basically helps, interferes, interrupts mm-hmm. someone who intervenes. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty good. I had a. Uh, I was just talking to a friend the other day. It really helped me. Um, I was talking about like my own priesthood, and I was like, man, you know, I'm trying to get up. At bat, in baseball analogy, we were actually watching the World Series. And I was like, I'm trying to get up at bat and, like, hit home runs. And, like, I'm seeing the people in front of me hit home runs. And I'm like, I'm in the batter's box. I'm like, I don't know if I can hit home runs like these other people can. And my buddy is like, bro, you can just, like, get the first base. <laughs> I said, man, that's true. I was trying to hit it out of the park. I was trying to uh, perhaps hit a bases loaded, like, crowds going wild fireworks all this stuff mm-hmm. but like i don't know how much of baseball is is getting to first base right so that the next person can get you to second base and etc right yeah and eventually win the game what and however that works but it's more than just hitting home runs or hitting the ball out of the park right because it doesn't need to be like a yeah huge hit like it could be a little dinky yeah, the one that, yeah, that rolls off the bat, but Man. that could win the game. That that gets you on base. Yep. Little by little. Yep. Poco a poco. Poco a poco. I like that. Yeah, I was just I just got contacted by somebody recently, and they it was this uh, person in my last parish that I went to that I worked at. They reached out to me. They said, "Hey, I'm going through a difficult time, and I feel like." The world is closing in, and I'm, I don't know what to do, and my relationship with God's not good, and I feel like God is going to judge me, and uh, I feel guilty, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the image that came to my mind was 
um, like being tossed around in a boat and in a storm where it's like, man, like this person believes like this is it. Like there's, there's, this is the end of whatever. And they're panicking. They're, uh, they're afraid. The wind is so strong that they can't think past it. They can't think past the storm. They only feel the storm happening and they feel the boat rocking back and forth. Right. Yeah. And so that was a, it was an interesting image. It's like, all you need is someone to come and, um, and calm the storm. Right, Christ calms the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I did. I just responded about um, trying to trying to help them find some sort of calmness. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that, and that's that's really interesting because I've been talking about that a lot in terms of other people's perspectives. Just what people share with me that um, I, I was explaining with a friend that like. Yeah, like I'm, I'm messing up. Like I'm broken, and that, that, that's all I said. And they're like, "Well, I don't want you to think of yourself as broken. Like you can, you can do it on your own." But I think at times a lot of people think that that's the end of the story. That we as Christians may believe that we are broken and like that's it. But th- there's, there's so much more in terms of we need healing, and we have that healing that that healing, those prayers have been answered, that we're not just left to fend, fend for ourselves or just kind of, like, walk with, uh, like walk with our legs cut out. Like, we have, we have a way of healing through the Lord. And I think that's something that's forgotten, something that I want to try to live by and let other people know about so they don't just think for the rest of their life that there's no no healing there's no no answer um but yeah that was it was just really interesting to think that there are other perspectives than the christian beliefs of of what we believe there's so much more so it's nice and and this is my uh perspective is that the good news of christianity so the word gospel evangelion uh is the means good news and so the gospel, like we read the four gospels, or it's the four good news narratives, or the four narratives of the good news. Uh, what happened? This is fascinating. What happened when? Um, so, for example, um, back in the day and during Jesus's time, or prior to Jesus's time, you would have, say, for example, Caesar was the Roman emperor, right? Some one of the Caesars, and so uh, whenever they would go conquer. And take and defeat other lands, they would come back and they would proclaim Evangelion. They would proclaim gospel, good news. We conquered, we uh, we defeated this other army. And so the gospel writer Mark, in his first line of the gospel, he says, The Evangelion according to Jesus Christ. Right, so it's like this. They, he, it's kind of a play on words. He uh, uses this word to actually speak about good news. Like this is actually good news, not what every, not what Caesar's doing, and not what the military is doing, uh, but this is actually the good news. Wow, that makes sense. It does, and I think that this, what you're saying, is that this is actually good news. Is that there's actually hope? I think hope is probably like we say, Christ our hope. 
and I don't, and I think that the more like you step closer to Christ, you recognize just how, um, just how deep this hope is. So for example, like what you just said is like, gosh, like if I look at myself and I look at my issues and my perhaps brokenness and without that hope, it's, it feels hopeless. It feels like there's nothing that can, that can happen or nothing that can heal me or help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the good news of Christianity is that actually, actually, there is something that can heal you. There's someone who can heal you, someone who can set you free, who can help you grow through all of these things. And then that's the conversation of redemption in a sense, where God can make good from bad. God can sprout a flower in a wasteland, or um, God can um, bring beauty into a place of darkness, shine light into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the good news I think of, of Christianity of Christ is of this hope it's like I think I think it's one of the biggest things about the gospel the biggest things about the good news is hope because you think of even death even like death is like gosh like if there's nothing after death then like my whole life changes like right now it's like mm-hmm. I should be grasping for anything and everything um, but the hope is that actually death isn't the last thing and so I don't have to grasp on everything as if my life depended on it. I was just reading a quote recently, Pope Benedict, who was the Pope prior to Pope Francis, Mm -hmm. and he said that when we have our eyes on eternal life, when we have our eyes on heaven, it's like we begin to love history in the appropriate way. We begin to love the present moment and all the things of life, all the things of history, all the things in this world in the appropriate way, because uh, we're not grasping onto it for uh, our salvation. We're mm-hmm. able to love it for what it is. We're able to love these people for what they are as opposed to needing them to save me or needing them to be my hope or needing this to be my hope, the the clothing or the popularity or the, the finances. It's like I can actually uh, have a, the appropriate relationship with these things and love these things for what they are as opposed to twist them into being my savior or my salvation right so like the hope is that hey i don't i can actually love history i can love the present moment i can love all these things i can love all these people because uh of eternal life right it's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool yeah yeah i it makes me think of just when I think it's in Proverbs, in Proverbs, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and he will make your path straight. And sitting with that, um, Lexio Divina, kind of um, reflecting on that, it was, it's really interesting to think about like, all right, my path's straight. There are, there's a lot of different things in my life, a lot of things that I value, a lot of things that are important. But yes, when I do have my priority being the Lord and like, the eternal, he he orders that in like the proper way. Not saying that they're they're not important, but just the ordering of it and knowing that because of the Lord that like my finances are good or like I can love my family well. Or I can I can actually set aside time to do schoolwork, not because my parents are are telling me to, but because because of the Lord, because the Lord loves me. Um, but also through, through death. Um, also, yeah, I've just recently heard at the, the Travis Scott concert. If you you know the what that was, 
I didn't realize there was eight people that passed away at that, which was very sad. And I've never, I've been to one funeral, but I just remember going to like wakes uh, when I was little and just having the casket there and people mourning. And um, I always thought it was interesting that at the funeral that like there there was a mass, that it was, it was celebrated at mass, not for, for everyone, but like ca- at Catholic um, services. And I was just so confused like why would we be celebrating mass why would we be having mass when like someone just died but that's it that life doesn't stop there that there is eternal life and that we can do that through the most important prayer that has been given to us through mass and I mean I don't want to I want to go to more funerals if that sounds okay but (laughs) I just think that's a really beautiful thing that we can turn something that's very sor- very very hard, but turn it into something that is filled with God, yeah. and filled with life. That's the hope. So my last parish that I worked at, uh, I was doing a funeral every week. Wow. For years. And mm-hmm. so every single week I would have, um, I'd have this crowd of people, many of them Catholic, many of them not many of them not Christian, and they're all mourning, and that they're in a place, they're in a Catholic church where they don't know what's going on in the Catholic church, whatever, and they're all mourning, they're all sad. It's like, for me, it was a really cool opportunity every single week, one, to sit in front of death itself and to reflect on my mortality and mortality in general, but then also to speak a bit of a word of hope, a word of good news to these people who are not even Christian or people who are Christian, not Catholic, and even are Catholics, um, to be able to speak a word of a consoling word of hope or a, a strengthening word of, of hope. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a really profound thing. Yeah, because if this is, a, if this is the end, then um, it's like, yeah, there is no hope. It's like, we're just obliterated. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're done. End of this period, end of story. Um, but fortunately, like our faith actually informs us that, hey, this is actually not the end. And while we don't know what the future holds, we do know that life continues. And so we have, the, again, it, it does something to us. It's an assurance or it's a, a trusting uh, in, the, in the future, a trusting in, in this word, which gives us hope. It arises hope within us. Mm-hmm. And something I love about that is we're called to share that with people. That that's not something we just keep to ourselves and just like say like, wow, that's really cool. And then just move on with our life. But that's life changing, like how we live our lives and like what we do and what we say and the people we hang with. And I, it makes me think of uh, our service day that we had um, a couple weeks ago. And there's a group like the Smile group. And yeah, that was me. That was you. I, w- I was wondering. I haven't really been able to ask people, how was that? So it was interesting. From my, I speak from my own personal perspective. What, what is your question? How was it to share something like that of, or just loving on others, even though we're not all put together? Like I think sometimes people think Christians have it all together, but that's just that's a big lie. <laughs> we're all very broken, and we're all still trying to figure out, like, how the Lord is healing us, but 
we're still able to turn around and also share that with others. Yeah. What is your question about the smile, smile squad, the, uh, the smile team, whatever it was, smile mission. What did you enjoy about it? Like, what did you guys do? I, I actually don't even know. Exactly. So I, yeah, I just like being with our community specifically, uh, hanging out and that was a fun morning. It was a beautiful morning, but we went out to downtown Athens and we basically, a lot of us had signs that said, you are loved or you are wonderfully made. And they would hold up these signs on the side of the road for cars passing by. Other times, other folks would uh, go up and talk to people and, you know, share like, um, you know, a kind, hey, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully you have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm. Like simple greeting, simple positivity on a Saturday morning. Um, Rachel Dougal, actually, I I was... uh, Super pumped. She seemingly has this gift of affirming people and encouraging people, mm-hmm. and so like I was, I was really, I was, it was, I was really struck by it because she would see somebody and be like, "Oh my gosh, like you have a great smile," and like for me, like I didn't notice it or I didn't see that in them, and yet she was able to see it so quickly and speak it to these people uh, who are passing by or whatever. I said, man, like that's a, that's a, that's a giftedness that you're able to like, uh, you're able to see and respond and encourage and affirm these attributes of people. Oh, I love your dress. Oh, you know, Oh, you, you have a great smile or your hairs look so good today or all this stuff. Like she, she was genuine with it. Very uh, meaningful. She wasn't making any of it up. Uh, but I, I could see people's in a sense responses to that where oh here here come they see us here comes a group of people they're trying to get a message across or whatever Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden Rachel would like compliment them and like that would just change their whole demeanor they would it would change how they would uh how they were sensing us or perceiving us we weren't threatening at that moment all of a sudden like they got hit with our positivity which was loving Mm -hmm. it was kind of a loving thing there were other folks who, um, this was something that another thing that struck me. There were a lot of there were some folks who were seemingly like afraid, and they didn't know what we were about. For me, I was wearing you know priest collar, so they don't may not know much about priests. They may not know much about uh, Catholicism, and so they uh, perhaps were intimidated or scared or afraid, wanted to avoid us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, man, like that's a really I say unfortunate thing. It's a really unfortunate thing. It's a really sad thing because uh, what I want for them, what they want, what we all want for them is like, hey, like we want you to be loved and to know you're loved and to have this positivity this morning, uh, no matter what's going on in your life. And be, you know, if we could pray for you, if not, like I have no agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And yet there's still, still somewhat of a, I say, resistance or a fear. But not everybody. There was, uh, uh, there was one guy that we talked to for a while, and uh, he was part of, I think he was part of like a, he was like a blues or a jazz band, mm. uh, and uh, and he was about to go play a show tonight, he was talking to us, he's like, man, I go to church, and love it, and we were talking to him, and we prayed with him, and it was, it was really fun, it was really fun, yeah, it was a smile mission, making people smile. That's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And Rachel Dougal being on that crew is very fitting. Yeah, she's pro level. She has a gift. I was learning from her. She is pro level. <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely uh, gifted in that uh, affirmation and that encouragement. Right. In a way that I recognize, like, I don't have that. It's like, I can't, I, w- I didn't even notice that person's clothing or that person's hair or that person's smile. And yet she's, you know, pointing these out and you're like telling them and encouraging them. Right. Yeah, or affirming them in that. And being around that just, it's like, oh, I, I want to be more like that. Yeah. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you feel good. Build people up. Right. Oh. I was just talking yesterday with um, Jackson Coulter. We were driving home from Barnaroo 2021. and I heard about Barnaroo. What is Barnaroo? Barnaroo is a at-home music festival at Jackson Coulter's house. Um, he has six acres. It was three different sets um, on his front porch, his front yard, and his barn. Um, they built a, a stage uh, at the backside of his barn, and it was a variety of artists, variety of bands. Uh, we had a mariachi band there, and they were amazing. That was, the, that was the best. That was so awesome. We had punk rock, and we had a cover band of like the greatest rock hits. And... There was over 200 people there. Um, it was cold, but it was really good. It was really, really fun. Very inclusive. There was just a lot of different folks there. There were even Georgia Tech people there. There was Georgia Tech students there. Even Georgia Tech folks. Even Georgia Tech folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were talking on the way back, and I was saying, I, I want to change my Instagram bio. And... Madeline Lev was also in the car. They're like, okay, like, well, what is it now? And right now it is Praise God um, in uh, the Catholic Dogs Instagram. Um, and I was like, not that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I will not stop saying Praise God. But I just want to have like a reminder for people that don't even know me, but I just want them to know you are first loved. And that's what I changed my Instagram bio to because I think that's, that's something a lot of people forget about. Christians, everyone forgets about that. A lot of the time, we don't come with agendas like when we're trying to share. We're just trying to remind them that they're first loved, that we're not trying to shove anything down their throat or, or convert them like on spot, but just letting them know the good news that you are first love, that Jesus is your first love. What does that mean, first loved? First loved. Uh, bef- like loved first? Loved first, yes. Or first, you were loved. I would say both. <laughs> I would say both. Um, that you are first loved, that you don't have to um, earn earn God's love. You don't have to get a certain grade on your report card or know this many people or say the right things. But just because you are you, you're loved. Um, unconditional. Unconditional. Like a parent, that's a simile. Like a parent <laughs> with their children, hopefully, uh, or a good parent, I should say, is that the parent loves this child no matter what they're doing, right? In good times and in bad. Um, or a spouse, right? In good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, I'm going to choose to love you mm-hmm. uh, no matter what you're doing. And uh, yeah, it's how God sees us, how God sees the church. 
how the church should be in the world, how the church should be loving the world, is uh, is unconditionally. And Peter even says that, Lord, how many times should we forgive other people? He's like seven times seven or 70 times seven or whatever it is. It's like, man, like there's this unconditional uh, love that we're in a sense striving for or trying to model or imitate. Right. Mm -hmm. And Jesus uses metaphors as well. So he uses the shepherd, right? Right. Like it, or I guess it's, I don't know if it's a similar or or metaphor, but Jesus uses the shepherd, um, the shepherd who goes and loses one and goes after the one, leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Mm. Um, So he's using the image of the the shepherd there. Um, Or he uses the, Let's see, he uses the uh, vineyard, the, the people who are working in the vineyard. Uh, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. Uh, he uses the image of the mustard seed, the a seed that sprouts and it grows. Like, man, he uses all these cool things. He's a genius. Yeah, he's a poet. He is. <laughs> oh, and I love that you said the mustard seed. Because actually, in my in my phone case, I carry a mustard seed around with me. Man, um, I got it while I was in Hawaii this summer. Um, I went to Big Island, uh, Kona, and I visited the only Catholic shop on the island, and I bought this little mustard seed, um, and it says around it, um, "With faith, all things are possible." Um, and on the back, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible for you. And I hear jiggling around in my phone, and that's just a good reminder that, yeah, I don't need to earn it. I don't need to be this world-renowned like theologian. I can be. I can be myself right now, and I'm loved. First that. loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So where'd you get that idea of uh, of first loved? I was talking with a friend um, about how each of us were doing and just a kind of like overarching theme was inclusivity and um, being welcomed. And they weren't really feeling that in their situation. And that really hurt me. Because they're, they're a good friend of mine. And not only do I think, like, my good friend shouldn't feel like that, but no one should. And it was really interesting because I've never had something like that feel so close to my heart, like almost hurt my heart. And just spending time in prayer and silence, um, just going to the chapel and thinking about inclusivity. What does that mean? And I looked up the definition, and it is giving an equal amount of opportunity or resources to people that are um, usually outcasted or may not get that treatment, um, equal treatment. And I also have a daily devotional um, to St. Teresa of Calcutta um, with a a quote from her for each day of the year. And um, St. Teresa is the best. She is amazing, and the work that she does and the words that she uses, specifically being 
that Jesus is represented in the impoverished more than anyone. That um, the way you treat um, the spiritual impoverished is how you treat Jesus. That That is who shows us Jesus' love more than any other group on this planet. And although that we're not in the streets of Calcutta, it's so important here in Athens, here in a college town, of being included. And even when that may be the hard thing to do, or maybe like the annoying thing to do, but to make sure that everyone's welcome. Our Catholic Center slogan, like all are welcome. And I just think either the simple reminders of, hey, like, we're having this get-together, like, at my house if you want to come or you want to grab a meal at a dining hall. Um, I think that's um, represented by you are first loved. Um, I don't don't need to, like, do anything special to, like, invite someone because that's that's a very easy thing to do. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I think it's actually very difficult to live the motto all are welcome because yes. because yes. it's very easy to have someone at least feel unwelcomed right if they're not engaged if they're not talked to if you kind of like are in your own world and so for me I try to make it a point to ask them their name talk to them and then oftentimes if I notice that they don't know anybody I'll start introducing oh so and so do you know this person and try to introduce them to people and have, like, at least create a bridge for them to meet other people. Um, because I, I believe, at least, yeah, all are welcome. And especially, like, church ought to be a place where you, again, wrestle with God mm-hmm. or a place where uh, you wrestle with your relationship with God or the, or the divine uh, things, the, the church life and what it all means and the meaning of life and... Like, this is where you ought to do it as opposed to elsewhere, right? And we're the ambassadors of this place. And so the least we can do is give people the permission and the space to be able to do that here. Yeah. And yeah. to let them know that they're first loved. Mm-hmm. I think I, I love our our Sunday dinners after Mass because that does so much good. Like, for the people that go to the Catholic Center... And for people that don't, I've I've shared with uh, my friends that are not Catholic that hey we have dinner like after mass like love to see you there and they come they come they come for dinner and it's really cool to see just the mixing of different types of people and the conversations that are had and like there's just so many more similarities um, than people think um, I love how small of a town like or small of a school, it can feel like when you kind of play that, like, oh, do you know, like, game, like, with people, and I love that, and I I think, well, first of all, it's delicious food, um, Chandler does a great job, and I just love the environment that we put on for that. Hmm. So, when did you encounter this community, uh, Catholic Center community, and what has, in a sense, had you stay here, or remain here, become a part of it? And then lead in your in their own ways that you do that you lead you become the ambassador of the first loved in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say through the men's ministry nights, um, uh, 
last year, my freshman year, um, Andrew Green, uh, who is the head of the men's ministry, invited me out to some events. Um, and the ones I went to were, were ones where it was uh, like the bacon and bonfires um, outside um, and just guys being guys, dudes being dudes, just hanging, talking, um, throwing the football, um, kind of just, yeah, exchanging information, getting to know people. And it was different here, like getting to know others. Um, I think then other than other clubs or groups that I was a part of or other people I had met in college so far. And that difference being that like people were genuine, like people weren't just going through the motions of like, oh, hey, what's your name? What's your major? Where are you from? Just like rattling things off just to say it. And I can I can say that people like Stephen Thompson, Stephen was I think the first person I met at the Catholic Center, um, and Walter Willits, um, and other guys that just showed me that, like, they're actually interested in me. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Like, I'm not just the number. Like, I'm not just another student. Like, they were really interested in me and, like, who I was right now. Like, not necessarily, like, what I was doing or, like, what, what I thought made me cool. <laughs> cool is... <laughs> like popular and things like that, but just getting to know me as I am. And um, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I would uh, see see guys like that, see other upperclassmen guys, uh, Reed, uh, Carlson, and Russ, Markham, and just their like tendencies, their habits, uh, being like going to daily mass. And I'd never been to daily mass before, ever in my life. And Last year, I just said, okay, I'll go. And I didn't know exactly why I was doing it. It was kind of just like, oh, I think those guys are cool. Like, I think they're they're good role models, and I'll, I'll do what they do because it seems like a good thing to do. Um, and I've learned through them and through others that people here, they don't have it all put together, that people here – that they go, they their tendencies, they happen because, like, we know that, like, we're broken and we need that healing um, in terms of going to receive the sacraments, um, going to confession or um, celebrating Mass. And knowing that I had it in my head that, wow, these people are so holy, like, they're just so much better than me. But that's just such a wrong mindset. And clarifying that for myself has allowed me to be more vulnerable here, more vulnerable in the relationships I've made, and like to turn around and then to also invite people to this environment, um, to invite people like to events here uh, through the outreach committee, um, getting people involved in the mentorship program, Elevate or Elevate. Um, yeah. And so you're trying to get folks to encounter what, what you encountered? Yes encounter Christ in the form of vulnerability. Um, like, it's okay to be honest, like, to, to be who I am right now. I don't need to put up any any walls mm. to make it seem like I'm put together or that I'm cooler or smarter than I am. But being vulnerable right here, right now. Yeah. For me, I have a tendency to over, I would say, overshare my weaknesses. 
Yeah. Where it's probably like, man, does this guy have anything together? <laughs> like, here's all my stuff. Here's all my uh, messiness. Mm-hmm. But I heard a quote uh, recently, two quotes. One from our focus missionary, Evan. He said, it's not about what you do. It's about who you're becoming. Mm. I really like that. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're becoming. And then there was another quote that I heard recently that was similar by uh, who's a saint. Her name is Saint Benedicta of the Cross, or Edith Stein was her name. Mm. And uh, and she said, "To be is to become." Meaning that this Christian life is about becoming who we are created to be, to be, to exist. To it's all about becoming who God has created us to be. To be is to become, or be, to be is becoming. Hmm. Um, meaning that it's a process, right? It's a process, it's a journey, yeah. and it's a healing journey, it's a freeing journey, it's a transformational journey, and it's a very fruitful journey. Uh, it's exciting. Yes. Life with the Lord is the greatest adventure. I, I love that. That's so awesome to know. Yeah. It's freeing. Yeah, and then you don't have to have everything together on like day one, or like I don't I'm not a finished product, and uh, oftentimes I have I'm in, oftentimes I'm unimpressive, and I don't have it together, and um, but to grow and and to grow through all of that and to not ju- judge myself and to be patient with myself and to continue becoming continue to expose that to Christ and open up my heart to Christ and uh, ask for his healing and present myself who I truly am as opposed to like a facade or like a face, yes. a different face, um, but to give, to present who I am and allow God to love that. Right. Remind, uh, there's a verse, a lyric, um, you, you are closer than my own skin. Mm. Um, communion by Maverick City and wow that that just that kind of shakes me it's like wow yeah he knows exactly what's going on in my life yeah and that representing of like all right so this is what's going on and allowing him in um, to those hardships to the to the good times too and doing that as a like a broken person coming like as I am we're called to come as we are, not... Jesus didn't hang with, with the merchants and the wealthy, the the rich. I, lo- I love reminding myself of that, hearing that. Yeah. yeah, there's this cool painting by, I think it's Caravaggio, Michelangelo Caravaggio, uh, The Conversion of Matthew, or The Conversion of Levi, I think was his name as well. And uh, But it's a gospel writer, Matthew. And so it's this painting where Jesus is extending an arm of invitation and, and pointing at Matthew. And Matthew is surrounded by, because Matthew was a tax collector, which was like a, uh, he collected taxes, but then he over collected taxes for his own gain. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of a public sinner in a sense. So he's around all these other people who are taking advantage of people. So he's sitting at a table, Jesus is extending his hand. And uh, Matthew is like surprised and points at himself and is like, are you calling me? You're calling me. You're not, 
hanging out again with like the famous people or, you know, those who are, um, popular or rich or whatever. It's like, you're, you want, you're calling me to follow you. Right. And Matthew is probably very aware of his own sin or his own like wrongdoings and, and yet at the same time, like Jesus is extending this this profound arm and outreach to him, pointing at him in like this tender in, invitation. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is, uh, yeah, encountered by that mercy. That's what mercy looks like, right? Yeah. Oh, the, the Chosen does a, I think they do a great job of like depicting that and making it come to life, those stories and the apostles. In terms of, I just, I remember one of the episodes of um, Jesus asking, or, or, yeah, asking Matthew while he was in his, like, tax collecting booth, like, come follow me. And just, just like, contextually to, like, understand it, um, what was going on at that time, and to see, like, how Matthew reacted, like, his, his facial expression, and, like, it's like, you're calling me? Like how taken aback he was, how surprised. And he said, yes, he did it. And like dropped, dropped everything that he had, all of the riches, like his, his job, his life and followed him. I thought that was, I, I actually haven't finished the chosen yet. I've, I'm, I've been meaning to, have you watched it? I haven't watched it. No, I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that encounter with mercy. It's that encounter with, this God who is mercy. Yeah. Pope Francis says that the name of God is mercy, or the face of God, the face of Christ is mercy. Um, and that's what that looks like. It's like this unconditional embrace, first loved. You were first loved. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So how have you, how have, uh, how's your, how have you been? What have you, have you been praying with anything interesting or... Um, that's a pretty interesting thing, first loved and coming out of that experience because that was this past, you know, recently. Yes, um, I have. Uh, I've been. I always see you in the chapel, which is cool. Yes, hanging out in the chapel. Yeah, that has been praying at the foot of the wellspring. Really cool. Yeah, that it is, and I I also see I see Madeline Le there a lot and uh, been able to talk to her about like, wow, like. What's brought you there? And just knowing that, like, it's so different for so many different people. And um, on Wednesday nights, I go to a house church worship um, uh, through my friends um, that go to Grace Athens at at their house. And um, something that was talked about this week was, in prayer, be brave enough to ask the Lord who he is to you in this season of life. Um, to be brave enough to ask the Lord who he is to us in this season of life. And just the, the first verb, like be brave enough, that was really interesting. It was like, wow, am I being brave enough? <laughs> like what <laughs> made me think about like my prayer and um, kind of what, yeah, what I was bringing to the Lord. Um, and I've also been, preparing, I've been preparing for, um, giving a talk at Seeking Water, um, and also another talk, 
Um, I've been asked to give a talk at the Life Teen Group at my home parish um, at St. Benedict's in Johns Creek. And they're, they're two days apart, wow. uh, a Sunday and a Tuesday. And that's been something that's I, I consumed, been a, a lot of my prayer, um, because I do not like public speaking at all. It makes me tense up, makes me forget things, makes me sweat, makes me talk fast. And I've been struggling with that for my entire life. And even coming to to intercessory prayer with like that at the forefront of my mind, not not like hiding that because people think I'm I'm good talking in front of others. That has been that has been freeing. Like if I could if I could describe my my prayer like how I'm doing right now, like I feel free. Um, not that not that I'm the a world renowned public speaker or anything like that, but honing in and like hammering in that like before before I give my talk before I stress more about my talk before like any of that I'm first loved that I'm making the Lord smile um regardless of what I say like I'm I'm showing up at at these places and whatever is going to be revealed is it's going to be according to the Lord's plan and it's so peaceful like, oh my gosh, in high school, I would have to give talks at like student council meetings. I'm tense the entire day. Heartbeat is through the roof, triple digits. And I can confidently say it's not like that now. Like even when you asked me to, do, to, to talk, I was like, okay, like nice. Don't know what we're going to talk about, but this is going to be awesome. And freeing is a great way to describe I'm doing right now. Hmm. Yeah. What what uh, image is that? Could you give a metaphor? <laughs> Freeing. I think of I think of a roller coaster like Goliath. If you've been on that Six Flags coaster, um Probably my favorite there. Ups and downs. That's life. Being pinned. Being victorious. And thinking that I have it like figured out, but it's like, oh man, like I'm I'm restricted to these rails. Like I've gotta follow like the way that the roller coaster is showing me. But then life with the Lord, like going first to prayer, like with my problems, something my friend told me, instead of telling God how big our problems are, let's start telling our problems how big our God is. And once once I've started to do that, realizing like, whoa, this roller coaster can go backwards. And it's a totally different ride, like a totally different experience. And yes, I'm still being guarded by the rails and like that, that being the Lord's mercy, like the Lord's love. But it has been a, a whole new experience, so freeing. Like it is so fun, going backwards, going at it at a different different way. I don't know if that's that's cool. That's a meta. So the the what you mentioned about the poor or the spiritually poor, and Mother Teresa encountering uh, the spiritually poor, and like that's actually 
when and how we encounter Christ. We, the church calls it the preferential option for the poor. Like Christ has a preferential option for the poor, or the church has a preferential option for the poor, that there's something mysterious or mis- mystical about like loving those who are in need, and that's actually where God encounters us. Right, and right. so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, man, like, um, like you think that life is in one way, or that there's rules to this, and this is, you know, how everyone believes it to be. But then, like, I don't know, Christ just throws a wrench into everything and <laughs> and keeps us on our toes, right? And and starts going, like you said, like all of a sudden the ride starts going backwards or in different directions. It's like, and it's a, it's thrilling. And it's an adventure. Uh, it's exciting. It is. It is. Yeah, and you become alive. You be uh, the becoming. You you are becoming someone who is alive. Who we're meant to be. Who we are called to be, and and invited to become. We're invited to become these people who are alive. It's almost like, I don't know. I was talking to someone. This person who reached out to me. They said, "Man, like I." I feel as if I'm not pleasing God. I feel as if I'm doing everything wrong. I'm doubting I'm doubting this God. And I'm like, man, like all God desires is that they know the love that he has for them and then wants to invite them into a life where they become alive. It's like if we can just somehow communicate that or get that <laughs> framework to be the framework, uh, everything else, God takes it from there. Um, but I think that's also kind of like the, uh, the people who are in need. It's like the people who are afraid of myself walking down the street in the collar and the priest collar, uh, they, they see something different than what it actually is, right? They see something that they're afraid of or something that they're intimidated by or something that they want to avoid. It's like, man, like that's how we are with God. Sometimes like sometimes I'm afraid of God or intimidated by God. And God's like, man, I'm just trying to love you. I'm just trying to let you know and to communicate this love uh, to you and to invite you to a life of becoming someone who's alive, who who I believe that you're called to be. I I know your potential. I see your potential. And uh, I want to call you to that and invite you to that, and I'll help you with this. Yeah. Recently, I'm, I've listened to a podcast um, from Father Mike Schmitz. It's had, it was a four-part series called Come to the Altar um, and just learning more about um, mass and what worship means instead of showing up and just watching. Um, but he, he used terms that I've never used before um, about priests, priesthood, um, and that there are different types of priests. That there's, first, there's only one true High priest. High priest. Jesus. I, he asked in, in the podcast, I was like, oh, man, there's probably like 20,000. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, and then we have ministerial priests, which you are one. You are one awesome mm-hmm. one. And we also have kingdom priests. And that's what we're each and every one of us is called to be in, at baptiz- bat- baptism. That's what's said when, when we are anointed with oil, that we are... Baptized priests. Yes. Priests of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I a question I have is, what is 
what's what's, what's like a, a big and important message that um, you would want kingdom priests to know, uh, like from a ministerial priest perspective of like what your job is here? Because I just I I ask that because like at home I would like be scared of my priests at at church. Like I didn't think I could like be myself or tell them how I am, like I actually am. So like what would be what would be something you would want someone that's not comfortable with that or like being yeah being comfortable with a ministerial priest if that does that make to sense to know what i want someone to know about what i do and what my life is about and man we try to the word is incarnate we try to incarnate that the love that god has for us into the world right so check this out so the other day I get a phone call. It's an emergency call on All Saints Day, I believe. All Saints Day. And I get, it's middle of the day. Someone's dying. And so I get the call. And it's in Spanish, too, which, is, which kept me on my toes. <laughs> and so I go. And I'm, they want to go to confession. And then they want an anointing of the sick, which is the sacrament of anointing of the sick. And because uh, they're you know, going to die in the next you know week or so, if if not less than that, so I go and I step into the room. Uh, everyone leaves or everyone clears out. I step into the room, and but before I guess before I got there, before I got in, the family was like, "Hey, you like they're not at peace. They're very resistant." They're in denial that they're, that they're sick, that they're dying, etc. And they're not working with us in terms of all these things that need to get done. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so I go in, and my simple presence in that room, that person was just like, hey, Father, great to see you. I'd like to go to confession, and if you can give me anointing. They go into confession, and they're completely open. Right, just talking with me, my presence, they're incredibly uh, what's the word thankful that I was there and receiving them, talking with them, and we do the anointing, and they said, All right, Father, really appreciate you coming, blah blah blah. I was like, Man, like that's not what everyone else was talking about. This person was like <laughs> Completely at ease, very peaceful, very kind, very welcoming, very uh, generous in, in her comments and all this stuff. And, uh, and I was just reflecting. It's like, man, like that's how like my own presence, I didn't try to do anything. Right? I just walk in, my priest outfit on, I walk in, and like they encounter something. Right? They encounter the love of God. They encounter the peace of Christ just my, by my simple presence. Right? My goal is to not mess that up, right? <laughs> my goal is to allow God to work through me to, to reach these people through by means of the sacraments, but also just simply my presence walking into that room. Um, and I would also say, this doesn't answer your question, but this is another thing, is that I would say that, minis- that kingdom priests also have this mission and this opportunity to do the same thing in the world where kingdom priests walk into a situation and they are so much united to God that their presence gives off a different presence 
that they are uh, welcomed and appreciated by people into a place, uh, into whatever place that people are in, and the, the it brings a sense of peace or brings a strength. It brings some sort of um, hope, perhaps. I remember growing up uh, when I was in high school, college, uh, there was folks that I was with, and uh, I don't know, they, they weren't Christians by any means, but uh, every time I would see them, it was like everyone stopped doing what they were doing and like welcomed me. I'm like, man, like, that's interesting. I don't deserve this, <laughs> but like there's something that is within me that they're attracted to or that they are, um, that they appreciate. And again, that's the kingdom priestness. Uh, of the spirit within, um, of this spirit that's alive and well within us. And I think that's, it's a missionary calling. I heard the other day that the church doesn't have a mission. The church is a mission, which is to be this in the world, right? To be this presence in the world, the presence of Christ in the world by becoming that presence and then existing in the world and having other people encounter. That's the kingdom priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a ministerial priest, I try to encourage and to build up the kingdom priest. Wow. Mm-hmm. I try to uh, help the kingdom priest with their relationship with God so that they can go out and transform this world or be a presence in this world. Yeah. Wow. But I don't know. I think to answer your question, uh, what do ministerial priests do? I think the word I use is incarnational, where we incarnate, where we... The word incarnate means to become flesh. We try to enflesh the love of God. We try to embody the love of God to the church community so that the church community can enflesh or incarnate or embody the love of Christ in the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of my job. It's nice. Wow. It's enjoyable. I like it, that. It's special. I love that. Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.